On today's show, we were hoping for a really high-quality game of basketball between the Bucks and the Celtics, and for about six minutes, I guess it was pretty good, and then it turned into one of the big ass-kickings we've seen this year in the NBA. So we have to ask some questions when it comes to the Bucks. Do you give them any type of mulligan with the schedule? We spoke about this for weeks leading in. Or do the Bucks have a real Boston Celtics problem? We're going to break down... Uh, well, nothing went right, so we're going to break down what went wrong tonight. Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic was... Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's post-game show that is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day. And uh, we say it before, usually the most vibrant uh, energetic comments we get after a loss. And I think that there's going to be some venting happening in the YouTube comments today. And we invite it. Let us know how you're feeling after this one because it wasn't a fun night. If you're a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks, subscribe, like, drop a comment, do all those things. It helps us on the show. It's free to do so. And we really appreciate it. So let's take a deep breath. This was a game that I was excited for. I've been anticipating for a while. It was also a game that we've anticipated for weeks that it wasn't going to be easy for the Bucs, but I still didn't come into this game expecting or envisioning that the Bucs would be down by 40-plus points in the third quarter when the white uh, flag gets waved in this game, Frank. So I, there's no other way to say it other than this was disastrous from late in the first quarter right through the second quarter. The Bucs had no answer for the Celtics. They looked disjointed and not engaged defensively. They couldn't make a shot down the other end. It all went wrong. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at halftime, you know, they were, I think the it was a 28-point deficit. They were down, I, I believe Boston was 12 of 23 from, from three-point range. The Bucs were three for 22. So you could say, well, that's a 27-point swing on three-pointers, and that's a 28-point deficit. So that's really been the story of the game. But I, I think especially as you look at, like, just the totality of this game, and where Boston was able to get to in the way that they were able to bend the defense and the way the Bucs were not able to do those things. And of course, like the margin was heavily influenced by, you know, the, the three point shooting in particular, but I mean, look at the last, you know, calendar year of, of games between these two teams, right? Like the Celtics came in on a second night of a back-to-back rested basically their whole team. The last time these teams met and the Bucs needed overtime to win with their full team. Okay, so anybody saying, you know, we'll get into like the the schedule stuff, right? Like, I mean, to me, the schedule stuff, like, yeah, of course, like, you know, at the end, it's a regular season game. There's always a burn the videotape type aspect to any of these, like, just complete stinker games where you just don't even really know what to do with them. Um, But, you know, like the Bucks have been really good on second night of back to backs all season. And 
Giannis had, has played, what, two games in five days? Because he didn't play on Monday. Chris didn't play last night and didn't play on Saturday in Denver. Joe Ingles didn't play last night. Um, Drew Holiday didn't play on Monday. He's only played two games in five days. So to me, the like built-in excuse of like the rest issue, like of course so that's, that's going to hurt. Though. Yeah, the it's going mean... to. I think it hurts you on the margins, but you know nobody ever complains about it when it works in your favor. And cool. I think now, like you know, like nothing can excuse like the fact that they almost lost by fifty fucking points <laughs> like you know like if you if if you get to like the fourth quarter and you kind of run out of legs and you know you can't finish a game that's one thing but like they couldn't get out of the second quarter tonight you know and uh again like they they didn't have to play it's not like drew and Giannis played you know 40 minutes last night they they were able to manage their minutes a bit in uh in the game in indiana so um so yeah i mean i think boston killed them on christmas day they nearly beat them with their G League team the last time they were in Milwaukee. And now they come in here and they just stomp the living crap out of the Bucks. And that's the way the, the playoff series ended as well. And yes, you didn't have Chris Middleton, but I'd say a lot of the themes of what we saw tonight, Giannis not being able to really break down and score efficiently against that Celtics defense, Bucks offense looking stagnant, settling for jump shots. And obviously tonight, you know, outlier bad shooting um, versus outlier good shooting for Boston. But I'd say the quality of the shots created um, were also severely in, in favor of the Celtics. So, um, you know, I mean, this is why you don't want to play this team in the playoffs if you don't have to, right? Like, this is why you didn't want to get stuck into a 2-3 matchup with Boston because you didn't want to play this team in the second round of the playoffs. I think they're uniquely well-suited to slowing down Giannis. He's been under 50% from the field now, five straight games against Boston going back to the playoffs, eight of 10. So even with all the monster numbers he put up in the playoffs last year, I mean, he wasn't efficient doing it. And we saw again tonight, right? Like they can make his life difficult. They kind of foul him in subtle ways where the refs, I think, let a lot go. And, you know, again, tonight, 11 out of 27, 24 points. You know, he would have gotten his numbers if he had played, you know, real minutes tonight. But um, yeah, they just uh, really turned the Bucks offense stagnant and just felt like there were a lot of times where the Bucks like drove and couldn't really create a good look inside. So they like jump and kick it out to another guy who's guarded and uh, just really struggled to create good looks against a Boston team that, you know, probably has the most, you know, they, they just don't have weak defenders that they need to play. And so they're just a really difficult team to attack in that regard. And they have a number of guys of different sizes that can, you know, compete with Giannis. We saw them start with smart on Giannis. Obviously you're going to see Horford against Giannis. You're going to see Grant Williams against Giannis. Um, so they just present some really unique challenges and obviously they're not generally going to win by, you know, 50 freaking points. Um, but I thought it was, an, you know, you just have to give them a ton of credit. Like this game really meant something from a regular season perspective. The Bucks could have essentially locked up the number one seed and they just got their asses kicked. And again, like, I, I mean, the Memphis game earlier this season stands out as, as I think a similar kind of just complete <laughs> destruction that was on the road. Also the stakes were very different. Um, or, you know, literally came going back to one of our favorite games, the, uh, <laughs> ironically not meant seriously, the, uh, the bulls 54 point win over the bucks in that game six in, uh, 2015. Right. Like, I mean, it was shades of that where it was just like, doesn't matter what's happening. Like every, every time the bucks do anything, uh, Boston would just answer with a three and, uh, you know, it was just like, they were drowning all night long. So, you know, all you can do is move on and, uh, I think it sets up a fascinating game on Sunday against 
Philly because Bucks fans love to make excuses for why, you know, rest or missing guys, blah, blah, blah. If you can't beat Philly on Sunday, you got no excuses, right? You're going to be rested. I don't think hopefully Chris Middleton busted lip. I can't imagine that'll hold him out of that game. It's kind of a put up or shut up game. And uh, I'm really fascinated to see how that one plays out, especially given tonight and also the last time that Philly was in Milwaukee. So a couple of things, and you obviously make the good point because you're exactly right when things go the other way. But but I will, in terms of the schedule, but I will say that I think we do a pretty decent job, or we try to on this show, of at least highlighting the fact that when you have the advantage, you acknowledge it. But also, if you're a fan, you take it, and you're very happy to get those yeah, advantages that when they come. Bank exactly the win. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if you're a Celtics fan and you're listening to this, and I know there'll be a few, and they'll jump in the comments with their silly little leaves, and they'll make their comments. But yeah, Celtics fans shouldn't give a crap about that. They came in, and by the way, the, the margin was so big that it, it doesn't really matter. But yeah. I, I will say it's not just the fact that it was a back-to-back. I think the five cities in seven nights with the you're out west, then you're back out east, and then you're back here. I, I think even if guys didn't didn't play all of those games, I think that's a it's a pretty wild schedule. You don't see that too often in the NBA. But again, if people will make their own decisions. They'll completely uh, not worry about that or they'll think that it meant something. I guess we're going to find out because the next time we see this team, if we see them, it's probably going to be in the conference finals. So the stakes are going to be even higher than they were tonight in that game. The other comparison that I would make from that game, that Chicago playoff game, was a Bucks villain, Mike Dunleavy, <laughs> similar to Blake Griffin, uh, ended with an, a Dedekumbo bro uh, getting ejected from the game. So, so that happened late in, in, in this game as well with, uh, you know, those two guys getting caught up and a little uh, little headbutt there from Thanasis and he hit the showers uh, early in this game. All right, I want to ask you about a couple of guys in particular when it comes to Boston because you talk about them being unique, uniquely built to potentially slow down what the Bucks do. I want to ask you about Brooke Lopez against the Boston Celtics uh, and also Grayson Allen, which is obviously a conversation we've had uh, plenty of times on this show. First, I'll get to FanDuel, uh, our sponsor of the show today. The NCAA tournament is wrapping up, but there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. That's up to 1000 bucks back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net at the end of the tournament. If we bring it back to the NBA as it currently stands right now, looking at the live odds, the Bucks still plus 240 to win the championship. Favorites, hey, there's something for Bucks fans. The Celtics are right there. They were plus 330. Uh, so as far as the, the betting lines go there, they still think that these are the two best teams in the NBA, even though they looked a fair way apart tonight so don't miss out on your shot for a no sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks when you join FanDuel today just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with FanDuel the Brook Lopez uh, situation is interesting with Boston we've spoke about the unique stuff they can do with different lineups smaller lineups Al Horford has obviously been a problem for the Bucks over the years over this bud era Tonight, Brook Lopez only plays the 19 minutes, but all the starters' minutes were down. But it's interesting because we've discussed the idea about Rob Williams and does that make Brook naturally more playable because he's not really an outside threat. Brook can stay at home defensively. Rob Williams had a pretty impactful 18 minutes tonight. He was able to get on the offensive glass a little bit. Some of them, I think, were just lucky bounces and the commentators were just losing their mind over it. But it, it was interesting that 
if Rob Williams is coming off the bench, which I think is the right move for the Celtics in this series, then Brook Lopez starts. And then it becomes fascinating how they stagger these lineups and what guys they have out there on the floor. Because even earlier in the, in, in the, or late in the first quarter, when this game was still a game, the Bucs actually went with Giannis at the five. Bobby Portis got hooked pretty quickly when Rob Williams was out on the floor. So it's just fascinating the way these things play out. What, what do you think overall of the matchup with Lopez uh, on the Celtics, though? Obviously, because for the Bucs, clearly we've discussed all season long the importance of being able to play Brook Lopez major minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to act like Brook is going to be um, a huge positive every night, regardless of, of circumstance against any, every team. Um, sure. I think... Of course, with like pick and rolls, things like that, fives that can stretch the floor like Horford, um, you know, there, there's going to be things that, that you can do uh, against him defensively to kind of put him in tougher spots. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, what, what are you going to do, right? Are you going to not start him? Of course not, right? You're going to start yeah. him. I think yeah. the question is, you know, I think what you're getting at is, you know, is there a chance that he's a 20 to 25 minute per game guy in a series against the Celtics rather than a 35 minute guy? I think that's certainly possible. I think especially adding Crowder, uh, you have more ammunition to play smaller than you did last year when it was pretty much, you know, Brooke, Bobby, Giannis being the only kind of guys that you've really felt like were credible uh, four or five type type players. And obviously Jay's not a five, but I think you have a little bit more flexibility and, I, I do think it's interesting, right? I mean, last year, Boston had so much success in the second half of the season playing with the jumbo lineups of, of Horford and, and Rob Williams together. Obviously, they're not doing that right now. I think it's interesting that that Williams and uh, Horford, or Williams and, um, well, both Williams, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Williams and Williams. I thought that's what you were uh, trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both Williams um, have been coming off the bench so much. I think yeah. it's interesting, right? I, I, I do feel like you're probably your best lineup against the Bucks is with Grant Williams starting at the four, Horford at the five against Giannis. Um, I think, again, both those guys uh, can at least keep Giannis honest. And, you know, Grant Williams is a really stout defender, hard to kind of go through. Um, so I, I think I'm very curious when it comes, push push comes to shove in the playoffs, these two teams meet. Uh, if, if Joe Mazzulla wouldn't ultimately go in that direction in terms of his starting group rather than kind of this smaller combination, um, but yeah, I mean, I think certainly if you look at playing with Horford at the five and four smaller players, you know, are you better off going more with Giannis and kind of Crowder at the four and, and then the usual kind of grouping, usual kind of like wings and guards, um, to complement. So, um, I think that'll certainly be, you know, obviously they're not going to play now again until potentially the playoffs. So, uh, that definitely would be something I'd, I'd keep an eye out for, but yeah, I mean, Again, the Celtics are just a hard team to match up with because Williams is basically the only guy that doesn't shoot threes well, and they really don't play anybody that's like a bad defender, right? I mean, Hauser isn't even really a bad defender, and he's not even really playing that much. So it's just there's just very little you can do to try to like isolate against weaker defenders and attack those guys. But by the same token, it's like the Bucks don't really play necessarily that style of offense anyway. They don't, you know, just try to get switches and attack mismatches anyway. So I don't know, to some extent it doesn't really even change their calculus maybe as, as much as it otherwise would, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely a, a unique, a unique challenge. Cause as we saw again, smart 
starting on Giannis, he's obviously frustrated Giannis at times with the way he can flop and get away with, you know, kind of handsiness more so than many players for whatever reason. We've seen Brogdon obviously defend Giannis, even going back to his Indiana days under Nate McMillan. He has a fair bit of experience doing that. And, you know, I think is at least credible just because of the way he defends, especially when you've got guys behind him. Um, so yeah, I think Boston just, again, schematically, and just from a talent perspective, they present problems for Giannis and, uh, certainly with Brooke, I think, I think the thing you have to do with Brooke is, is the thing that we didn't really see from Brooke in the playoffs last year. I mean, again, we're talking here a lot about his defense, but I mean, the, one of the, obviously the, the other big piece of, of what's made him so valuable this year is that he's been weaponized offensively better than the Bucks ever have, you know, really better than Brooke has since his Brooklyn days. And so I think if you are talking about Brooke Lopez and the matchup and things like that, I think the other question is how do you take Brooke Lopez and use his size as an advantage, especially if Boston is, is going to go smaller to start games um, or, or any lineups that don't feature both Williams and, and Horford. Um, so I think figuring out ways like, for instance, Giannis and Brooke, like are there things you can do from a two-man game perspective, um, especially when they're showing a lot of bodies to Giannis? Um because again, I think you just have to be more dynamic, certainly than than what we saw from the Bucks tonight. And with Brook and the way that he's played, um, you know, using him in the pick and roll, getting him active around the basket, uh, he's a really key piece. Who's obviously been just a huge, huge contributor offensively, even beyond being a defensive player of the year caliber guy. So, um, so absolutely, there has to be a role for Brook Lopez, right? If if, if they can't, yeah. you know, find 20, 25 minutes of good Brook Lopez minutes in a series against Boston, like. I don't know if they can win, right? And again, it doesn't mean that Brooke is going to put up 20 points every night or something like that. But I, I, I see Brooke as one of those guys in a play in those in these playoff series, especially against top teams. You don't need Brooke to be great every night when you have the depth of guys that the Bucks have. But you're going to need probably you know two or three games in a seven game series from Brooke where he does pop up and give you you know 18 points on 11 shots or you know 23 points on. 15 shots or something like that, right. Where he becomes that sort of secondary complimentary score um, who again, because of the way he can hurt you inside and out gives them a different dimension. Obviously none of those things happen tonight. We'll see if they can happen in the future. Yeah. And Brooke was three for five on twos tonight. And I actually thought early in the game, and again, we're talking about a very, very small slice of this game where the bucks are actually scoring at a decent rate. And I thought they were able to find him a couple of times and he still looked like he was going to be able to score either through or around or over this defense. So yeah, I think he can still be a factor offensively from that two point range where he's been so efficient. The last time I checked or I checked this morning, he was 71% at the rim, 54% in that floater range. We've discussed the touch that he has. Um, so I, I think the longer this game went, the Bucks just, I don't want to say they gave up, but let's just say they were more open to settling for, Terrible shots the longer this game went rather than running offense where, where Brooke has been uh, pretty valuable for this team. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll get to Grayson Allen next and then just a general chat about the guards. I mean, there is one big difference for me between these two teams, which may or may not be a problem uh, moving forward in the future. So we'll get to that next. So Grayson Allen is a guy we've spoken about a lot with a lens to really this series because Grayson has been good for me. I, I think he's had a good season. He's obviously shot the three well, but I think he's, we've never questioned his effort defensively. And even tonight, first possession of the game, Tatum gets downhill and I'm like, well, here we go. And Grayson held up decently. There was possessions through the night where I thought one-on-one 
he got in that mismatch again probably far too easily, but I thought he did okay. But at the end of the day, Tatum or Jalen Brown don't care about shooting over Grayson Allen. It is just a size problem and there's not much he can do about it. The other thing is we've discussed, he's got to shoot. You know, he only got three three-point attempts up tonight out of the 43 the Bucs took in total. I thought there was a number of times where the Bucs, you spoke about the versatility of the Celtics defensively, how they attacked those closeouts. There just seemed far too much hesitation for mine about actually getting the shot up. And Grayson had a couple of times where you're just like, dude, you got your feet set. You have to shoot that. Don't put it on the floor because these guys are too big and they have too many guys that can that can cause you trouble that you're not going to be able to do anything putting the ball on the floor against this team. So I just would have liked to see him you know, shoot a bit more because I do think defensively it's just a really, really challenging matchup. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the defense from Grayson specifically was the problem tonight. I mean, no, it's no. not like the Celtics had trouble scoring against anybody. They, they were not, you know, just physically overwhelming him the way we saw them do at various points during last year's playoffs. But the offensive story was basically the problem that we saw throughout that series, right? It's Grayson Allen just kind of being out there and being invisible, not getting shots up. He, was he one for four for three points? You know, seconds, two games in 24 hours, he scores three points in both of them. Obviously last night has the monster dunk that sort of obscured the fact that he didn't do anything offensively um, throughout the rest of that game in Indiana. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've definitely, I, I was in favor of Bud benching Allen and turning him into a bench guy uh, going into the playoffs last year. You know, again, what, what, what would be a better option for the Bucks going into this year's playoffs? I don't know. I mean, Pat Connaughton would have been my answer coming into this year, but Pat has just been very inconsistent as a shooter. Um, he wasn't even and, in the rotation tonight, Frank, like until the game was over. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, who knows what to make of that. Right. Sure. Um, I, I think uh, Pat's just, his shooting just has been very inconsistent all season long. So you just worry, you know, again, if he's going to be the kind of safety valve three point shooter with the starters, you're going to have to make some, some, some threes flip side is, the fifth guy playing with the starters. I think the challenge is like, you're just probably not going to get that many shots playing with those guys because you've got literally four guys that can all score 20 plus points on any given night. Um, mm. And so I think part of me also feels like, you know, given that Pat's kind of a better, I would say, you know, sh- better player other than the shooting uh, than Grayson, you know, maybe that's actually still advantageous just because that fifth guy isn't really just going to get up many shots period. Um, especially the way Boston is able to defend without leaving shooters open. So maybe it doesn't really matter who the fifth, <laughs> who the fifth guy is because that guy's probably not going to get up many shots. I, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting question. And I think this is sort of, you know, ironically, the Bucks' depth, you know, I think improved depth this year. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, again, they've got a bunch of guys that, yeah, maybe they could be, a, you know, the answer there. Like, you know, against other teams, I think Javon Carter is the fifth starter maker. Makes sense. I don't think he really makes sense against the Celtics necessarily as a fifth starter. Um, I think Wes Matthews, again, he just like hasn't really played enough this year. I think as we talked about the other night, I just don't think Bud Wes to be a major minute guy this year. I think he, you know, I think the reason he hasn't played him much is just because he thinks he's kind of beyond that, which, you know, kind of, kind of sad for me as a Wes fan. And after what we saw from him last year, um, but, what about you know, Goran? <laughs> <laughs> the truly the star, the, you, you know you're in trouble when the star of this game 
for the Bucks was a guy that played <laughs> only in the fourth quarter and played just seven minutes. But yes, Goran Dragic, nine points, three for three from three. A uh, couple rebounds and assists, plus five in seven minutes, the star of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't think it's going to be him. Um, I, I mean, I think the other obvious guy that people would point to would be Jay Crowder, right? Mm-hmm. And the irony is, like, I don't really think Jay Crowder makes sense on, like, as, like, a starter in any normal sort of, like, regular season configuration for the Bucs because then Chris is essentially a shooting guard, which honestly, like, is probably okay. Like, I mean, we've seen Chris can, like, run around the perimeter and defend, like, you know, shooters like he did against Duncan Robinson a couple years ago. I mean, I think he can do that. Um, but I don't know. It just feels a little bit imbalanced if you're playing Jay Crowder with the starting group, because part of the reason that you have him is so that he can be kind of that like, you know, four or five small ball combination. But again, maybe against a team like Boston, you know, he's, he's kind of an obvious compromise guy against a team that has a lot of size because the Celtics don't have like a bunch of like small guards that are going to like, you know, dribble around Jay Crowder necessarily in the half court or something like that. So um, so I think it, part of the question is just like stylistically, how do you want to play? I think Jay makes a lot more sense in sort of switching lineups where he doesn't have to go over screens. Um, because again, if, if I'm, if I'm playing the Bucks and if Jay Crowder is, is out there as a starter, um, then if he's guarding, I don't know who he'd guard, right. Is he guard Tatum like, or something like then I'm probably putting him in a bunch of screener roles. Cause I don't think Jay Crowder can get over screens particularly well. And he's, he's not going to be able, you're not going to switch him if he's doing a one, uh, you know, a, a pick and roll or Brooke is, is uh, defending the screener. So, um, so again, like I think Jay makes a lot more sense in those small lineups where you're doing switch everything versus when you're out there with Brooke, you'd rather have guys that can go over screens and allow you to play more typical drop coverage. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see kind of, again, I mean, I hope the Bucks make it to the Eastern conference finals, regardless if they have to play Boston, so be it. Right. Um, but the Bucks definitely will have some, some decisions to make as far as lineups go. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think my bet is, Bud is always an inertia guy. I, at this point, I expect Grayson Allen's going to start in the first round of the playoffs. And if they get all the way to the Eastern conference finals, then it's probably going to be because it works out. Okay. Unless they really face some adversity and Bud's forced to make a change where there's an injury. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think again, we've just we've kind of seen this movie before, and the idea that like Grayson Allen is going to go from being, you know, a liability to um, the answer at, as the fifth starter against the Boston Celtics, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in it. But this is pro- probably one of the things that you know. I'm, I don't think Bud gets too much shit. People, you know, I think people take for granted a lot of what Bud does well as a coach. But certainly with some things like this, right? Like he really believes in his players tries to give them confidence. The only downside is, yeah, is he going to stick with a guy who's gotten him there? He is going to do that, which there's reasons you do that. But again, with Grayson Allen and his playoff series against Boston Celtics, again, maybe that faith comes back to, to bite you as it did last year. And we have discussed it. We've also seen Bud. He will make moves during a series. The question is, does it come too late? Uh, mm-hmm. so that's what we'll, we'll watch, but uh, people, I don't need to say it. people know, I think that bud stuff is ridiculous. So I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit. The only other point I would make just with this Boston series, and this is nothing new and people will feel however they want to feel walking away from this game. I know we're going to have people that'll say, well, the bucks are toast. They can't beat the Celtics. That's fine. If that's how you feel, it'll surprise no one that I'm not <laughs> in that, in that situation. I, I think the bucks are still okay. I think they'll be fine. 
mostly because I knew or I thought in my own mind that if you're playing the Celtics in the series, you can expect that it's probably going to go seven games. They're just a really damn good basketball team. So I'm not necessarily put off by anything, but I, I am very much maybe even more aware than I was 24 hours ago that, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be probably anxiety-inducing if you're a Bucks fan in a series against the Boston Celtics, particularly with an NBA final spot on the line. But just when you look at the lineup that they even had tonight, and yeah, Derek White didn't have a great night, Marcus Smart, whatever. I think we're happy if he's he's the one that's trying to take over offensively. But then with Tatum and Brown, and then you got Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. Just if you compare the, the guys, they just have so many more guys that can create stuff on the perimeter and, and, and get their own shot. So... You know, you open yourself up to guys getting hot. And I thought the Bucks did a decent job in some of their defensive possessions tonight. And Tatum and Brown, well, specifically Tatum, once he heated up, was just too good. And we've seen that story before. We saw it in game six. I'm not saying it was a perfect defensive performance from the Bucks, but he also hit some insane shots. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what version of Tatum you're going to get in these big That's games, right. right? We've seen him have just absolutely monster games. Like the the game six performance was, you know, an epic performance from him outdueling a tremendous Giannis performance um, in that game. Um, but then, you know, we also saw in the finals, right? Like he just was a huge disappointment. And, you know, that was probably the reason why they didn't, they don't, didn't win an NBA championship was the fact that he, he really shrunk from the moment. So um, you, you never know with him, right? Like I think all you can do is sort of force him to be a jump shooter. Um, don't put him on the line and you kind of live with, you know, I think what like the, his, his pull up three numbers are like, horrible this year i think he's like a 28 percent, 29 percent as a pull-up three guy you wouldn't have guessed that from tonight because he was hitting every off the dribble three he took tonight even when he was pretty well guarded um so that's just kind of you know the way these things go you hope over a seven game series that those things kind of work out but you know we've also seen now between the playoffs and the three games that these teams have played this year celtics have been clearly the better team over these three games and you never want to put too much into regular season games, given, you know, the circumstances of, of, of when teams are playing and things like that. But, um, but, you know, again, th there's, there's no, there's no, I mean, again, we'll, we'll circle back to it. Like there's no talking your way out, excusing your way out of, you know, basically getting almost shit housed by 50, you know, at home uh, <laughs> against any team, you know, regardless okay. of, regardless of, of the rest situation. And again, especially because this game meant something like the Bucks mm -hmm. literally could have locked down the number one seed, which we know they want. Uh, and they came out and they just got, you know, both literally and figuratively punched in the mouth. Unfortunately, Chris Middleton literally got punched in the mouth. <laughs> the rest of the Bucks only figuratively Jeez. got punched in the mouth. Um, and so, yeah, they were, uh, unfortunately that shot of Chris Middleton bleeding all over the floor. That was, pretty much the the summation of of what this game felt like for for 48 minutes um well let's say 46 minutes until you know goran dragic had his mag magical seven minute run there uh to <laughs> to finish the game but uh i don't know that's momentum um, momentum is yeah. back on the buck side it's going to carry through to game one let me let me ask so let me ask you a question so it's you really often good. uh I, th I think you were very fair in this in this assessment of me you you've referred to me in our in our dms as like the what did you call me like the the disappointed dad <laughs> i think when it comes to like the way i i uh um judge sort of Giannis after bad games or or really anybody but Giannis obviously is the highest profile guy that we obviously have extremely high expectations of um i have i have been uh intentionally i've made no comments on twitter i think all year about mvps because I don't want to be the Bucks fan that says Giannis shouldn't win MVP because then 
well, A, people just like randomly hate me for that and B, like I don't want opposing fans to use that against us. Um, I, I'm still okay with saying Giannis is the best player in the world, um, but I've kind of been like, eh, MVP, like I feel like even though the Bucks are the best team, I feel like with Brooke, Drew, and even lately Chris, like it just felt like this is just an awesome team. And I always just struggle with the fact that Giannis to me has just clearly been worse than he was last year. And it's like weird. I just like, I can't get over that in terms of like feeling like, oh, he's, he's the MVP. He's got to win MVP. It's just like, but he can't make anything outside of the restricted area. Like it's weird. I I think, I think seeing him every night, I, we always talk about trying to appreciate it and what he does do so incredibly well, as we talked about last night. But when the bar is like MVP, I think you have to put such a high expectation on it. So I'm curious because I was really hoping that between that Philly game a couple of weeks ago, the Denver game, this game, Philly game on Sunday. I mean, there were these were ample golden opportunities for Giannis to make a statement, not only beating those teams, but clearly outplaying the other guy that he was playing against. And I've been disappointed, right? I mean, he still had an incredible year. The top three guys to me are like head and shoulders above all the other players in the league, both in terms of like best player in the world discussions, as well as the MVP discussion. Um, but I know you've talked about your belief in Giannis being MVP. I mean, like at some point, is he just, can we just say he's not the MVP? Like it's okay. He can still be the guy we want, you know, in the playoffs, he can still be the guy we want to start a franchise with. It's not like some damnation to say that like, yeah, Giannis probably doesn't deserve to win MVP at this point. Um, but I, I don't know, like watching these games, I was really hoping that, especially we saw the straw poll just come out, Giannis lurking in third, even though he's still third in the straw poll that Tim Bontemps and ESPN released. Um, but I just kind of feel like, you know what, like I, I get it, Bucks fans, we want to protect our guy, but it's just like, I'm just a little over people acting like it's crazy that, you know, Embiid or Jokic would be the MVP over Giannis. It's like, come on, dude, like Giannis, like y- y- you got to like show up for one of these 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 national tv games and put on like a real awesome performance and at least have helped the bucks win and of late unfortunately it just hasn't happened so i don't know mb this mb matchup is the last possible you know opportunity to really make kind of a statement i know individual games shouldn't be like the be all end all but if you're in third place and you keep up keep coming up short in these big matchups i don't really i don't see what the complaint should be if Giannis doesn't win mvp well that is definitely the longest question I've ever been asked in my life because you started this. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even really a question. It, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't even really a question. It was just an excuse for me to like do my like disappointed dad thing. <laughs> no, and, and we love it. We understand it comes from a place uh, of love. Do people no love it? I don't know if people love it. No, I don't know if people no, love it. But... I love it. A lot of people don't. That, that is a fact. And uh, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure there will be some people voicing their That's why I got to do it late in the podcast. I can't lead with like, you guys who think Giannis are is, is MVP are 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 off the mark. I can't lead with that. I have to wait till only the like the sickos who you know don't won't hate us for uh, for for trying to be honest about this stuff are are still watching. So I, I will say, and and I did the straw poll or whatever, and it was only a few days ago or last week that we did it or whatever. And I had Giannis and beat then Jokic, and if you ask me about the the schedule stuff and what it does to the team, fine. I think the schedule stuff has hurt Giannis' his MVP case more than it necessarily has the Bucks. just when you consider the stuff they've had to do and play in these games. But I also got asked last week when I was doing a, a, another 
job. Did Embiid not playing against Jokic rule him out of the MVP? And I said, well, of course not. I said, if you look at the schedule for what Philadelphia have been doing, they were on their fourth game in fifth nights on a, on a road, road trip as well. So you, you can't compromise your superstar players. Giannis has, at least has played these back-to-backs, and I'm not saying he gets MVP credit for that, but he's playing these back-to-backs. We know the the energy that he exerts through those games. He was clearly playing through pain against tonight, Robert Williams with a block uh, behind him. He is dealing with the hand stuff, we understand. And I know that the numbers are down, in, in particularly with the efficiency stuff, but I think that when you look at... And all three guys will have their story. So whoever wins it, um, whatever. I, I don't really care because they've all been awesome. I think Giannis would be ahead, but I could also be accused of being biased, which is totally fine. But I think the context with the Bucks, like why is his efficiency been down? Because through the first 40, and I'm not saying it hasn't improved, but through the first 40 games of the season, they're playing some really sketchy lineups. And he is the one that's keeping his head above water with some of these just insane performances throughout the year. So I just think that there's a lot of context through that. Then we look at the games at the end of the season, and I understand why they mean more because you're closer to when people are voting. But if you're making a case for Embiid, in January, he had 47 and 18 against the Nuggets, and they and they beat them. And Jokic played against the Bucks earlier in the season. He had 32, 17, and 12, or whatever the hell he had when the Sixers beat the Bucks. So, I, I just I try to look at it all. I, I obviously know the Bucks story better than I do Jokic and Embiid, but that that is why I still had Giannis number one. And yeah, he was third in the straw poll, so I'm clearly in the minority of those uh, 100 uh, media members there. I ca- I kind of wish that like it was you know, Steph Curry that was in this rather than like Embiid, for instance, because <laughs> I feel like so much of the, especially from like Bucks fans, like so much of the like MB anti-Embiid sort of sentiment is driven by the fact that like the way he plays, obviously the, the foul grifting, it's just, you know, counter to a lot of people's sensibilities of like how they want to watch basketball and what they think is, you know, the right way to play. Um, so I, part of me wishes that like it was, you know, a quote unquote honest superstar <laughs> like Steph Curry, uh, you know, who people could feel like a little bit like, oh, OK, he, you know, like he can't hate Steph. Like, you know, he he doesn't do any of that stuff. Like he's just incredible. Obviously, Steph is not part of a, you know, this kind of serious MVP debate, but just for illustration. Right. Like you wouldn't look at Steph. And I mean, Doncic also does like Doncic and and Embiid in particular, are probably the two guys I would look at and, you know, like you can play the like, oh, they're whiners and like body language and they grift for fouls and all that stuff, right? Like those are the two guys that I think probably are the most like aggravating to watch if you if you don't like them and are looking for reasons to kind of pick them apart. Um, so and if we go to the fringe all-star category, um, yeah, James Harden is in that mix, so. Well, yeah, though that's the, that, and that's the thing. Philly, of course, like, you know, if you don't like, if, you, if you're not a Sixers fan, you probably fucking hate them because like they're just hard to watch right with with the way those two guys you know sort of um work the referees but um but i don't know i mean again like it it stinks like i think it's made me think a little bit too about last year and you know i think mike prada um who former sb nation writer alongside me started bullets forever now he's at the athletic you know i think mike made the comment recently about how like it would be ironic if Giannis won mvp because brooke lopez got healthy compared to last year and you know, his, the comment basically is like, well, the Bucks didn't have Brooke Lopez. So they, you know, couldn't be the number one seed last year. Um, their defense wasn't as good last year, but Giannis was incredible. I mean, you look back at Giannis's numbers last year, other than, you know, averaging a couple more points per game this year, everything else was, you know, for the most part, better, the efficiency, all those things. Um, 
and historic season and just you know, happened to have it in the same year that that Embiid and Jokic did as well. Um, but it does make you kind of wonder, like, you know, man, Giannis, probably, like, we probably should have been really, really campaigning harder last year versus this year. Obviously, the team's just better and uh, and they've been able to, to obviously win win more games. And I mean, hopefully they hang on for the one seed. But at this point, I think I think I saw that the odds were like 75 percent bucks likely to uh to hang on to the one seed just given sort of the the remaining schedule and probabilities of of what happens in that remaining schedule but you know they could have slammed the door shut if they had won tonight and again that's why i think it also i i think some of the excuses ring a little bit a little bit hollow um because of the fact that this actually was a meaningful game right like the memphis game when they lost by 40 or whatever it's like did that game have any real cosmic significance? Like, not really. <laughs> like, Chris Middleton was still kind of coming back from his injury. He looked awful in that game. Um, and, yeah, maybe you just road game, whatever, right? But tonight, this game meant something, right? It had real real stakes for the postseason, home game, chance to make a statement against a team that eliminated you last year. And uh, they just they just took it to you. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just too bad. And... Um, I mean, I, I, again, I like the fact that they have to come back and play, um, a Philly team on Sunday that again, like right there as well, in terms of like big, um, kind of big yardstick type games, a team that also like literally just beat them in Milwaukee, embarrassed them in the fourth quarter a few weeks ago. So no excuses on Sunday. I mean, that's for sure. Right. Like, uh, I don't, we'll, we'll see, we'll see Thanasis got, got kicked out of this game. We'll see if uh, hopefully that has more of the, you know, Mamadi Diakite galvanizing the Bucks after their uh, horrible game two loss in, <laughs> in Brooklyn a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Hopefully that bit of chippiness, uh, you know, is a galvanizing thing. Um, if if he's suspended and then people and anybody says a word about, well, the Bucks, you know, lose on Sunday because uh, Giannis didn't have his brother there to pump him up or something like that, like just GTFO, like guys, no excuses, right? So. Anyway, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Sunday will be the hashtag no excuses game. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see again. It's a regular season game. So yes, it doesn't really matter in the cosmic sense, um, but it also could because again, Philly and Boston, they're going to play one more time. This is your last chance to actually kind of, I think, make a statement uh, against another contender in the East. And uh I'm I'm hoping everybody's hoping everybody's healthy and charged up and ready to go. Uh, Thanasis not there on the bench. I'm just noting that down in my excuse book for the post game pod. If things don't go our way and a couple of nights <laughs> time, I like that, Frank. Thank you very much. All right, go check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast wherever you get your podcast news, stats, scores, info, analysis in quick little sixty second clips from the Locked On hosts around the network. A fun little show, Locked On Game to Game. You can get that on your Locked On NBA feed. Uh, all things considered, I think this was a pretty fun little show as well. Uh, it's nice to talk through it with... Uh, it's cathartic. It's it cathartic is. to talk about it. You know, that that's that's what I always say. Like, it's, you know, we could just sort of, like, internalize all this and just be like, you know, and, like, swear at people on the internet or something like that. But, like, yeah. eh, it's better to talk it through. Um, you know, I, I watched the game, and then I went and put my daughter to bed, read some stories. So that is yeah. the ultimate, you know, perspective provider is uh oh yeah this is way more important than uh, a random basketball game but uh I, I hope i hope the bucks i hope that random basketball game on sunday treats us much better than this one that's for sure 
No question. But if you do feel like you want to swear at some people on the internet, internet jump into the YouTube comments <laughs> and direct them at, at me, me and Frank. At me, at me, because I'm I'm the one that that's uh, that's daring to question Giannis's MVP credentials. So please direct direct any and all criticism at Frank. Um, I'm just uh, I'm just here uh, being annoying. Kane does the hard work, and um, he's he's the one that really loves Giannis. I'm I'm the phony, I guess. <laughs> no, we love it. All right. Well, you know we're going to be back uh, for the post game show after the Sixers game. So relax, enjoy the weekend. We'll be back after that game.